0: Tonight we're reading from Acts 7 verse 17 to 36. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. But he dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. But they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, "'I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.'" Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for 40 years in the wilderness.
1: My name is Ben, and I'm preaching on Moses tonight, but before we do that, how about we pray? Holy Spirit, thank you for this opportunity you've given me to speak to these wonderful people tonight. I pray that you would open up the hearts of the people here that if there's any sort of brokenness or hurt or fear of failure or anxiety, Lord, I just pray that you would touch that right now with your hand. I pray that these people would know that your hand is resting upon them and they would be able to trust you and hear your voice tonight. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. We've been talking recently at church all about transformation, and I'm continuing that tonight by going into the life of a pretty well-known guy, Moses. But I just want to make it clear that when we talk about transformation, we aren't just talking about a regular change in your life. Although transformation can mean change, it's in no way the equivalent of going on a diet, getting shredded at the gym, going through puberty, or choosing a different career. Transformation is the process of being shaped, guided, and formed by the Holy Spirit as he sculpts us into a new masterpiece that reflects the image of Jesus. Transformation is going from overwhelming fear to all-encompassing peace, from anxiety and weakness to everlasting joy and strength, from the crippling chains of addiction to the rehabilitating release of freedom, from an identity characterised by shape to an identity characterised by hope, and from a life paralysed by failure. A life that is mobile with an eternal purpose. Our past does not have to define who we are today, because by the power of God, we are given this opportunity to experience a new life. Transformation is a real thing, and it is offered to us. In the story of Moses, we see a man who goes from having all authority, entitlement, and wealth to losing everything in an instant. Because of a mistake he made, he was outcast, unwelcome. Hated and alone. A failure. I wonder though if this punishing title of failure was most inflicted by the people in Egypt or whether it was more how Moses saw himself. Thankfully though, this isn't the end of the story because through God's eyes, he is anything but just a failure. God sees Moses with love, grace, and a huge calling. God knows that a new thing is coming and it's going to be good. When Moses sees disappointment, God sees opportunity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I suppose you could split what I want to say tonight into three points, and this is for you note-takers out there. The first point is your past does not have to define who you are today. The second point is transformation is powerful, but it's also a process. And sometimes that process is long and hard. And the third point that I want to make is that transformation comes from God, but we have to be open to God doing it. So let's go through the story of Moses. In short, Moses was a man who had it all. He had royal wealth, the best education, Egypt could offer, which was actually at that time the best education in the whole known world, which is pretty cool. And he had authority over the Egyptians and his own people, the Israelites, who at that time were a nation that was enslaved. But all that he had, the wealth, the authority, the power, the education, well, maybe not the education, but all of this was thrown away when he murdered an Egyptian soldier who was mercilessly beating an Israelite. In an instant, he lost everything and is now hunted by the king of Egypt, his adoptive grandfather. He's actually hated by his own people because of his actions, and he is forced to run away into the desert alone. He's now completely separated from his people. He's lost his family. He has nothing under his belt. He's a murderer, and he has nowhere to go. He's nothing. Moses becomes a shepherd. He marries, and he has two sons. And after 40 years of being in a place called Midian... He has an encounter with God that changes his life forever. One time while Moses is out with his sheep, he saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. So he went over to investigate it and found that it was God appearing to him. God calls out to Moses and Moses says the words, here I am. Now these three words in themselves hold a lot of weight, but we're going to get to that soon because first, Moses and God play a very long game of conversation tennis. Have you guys ever had a really frustrating conversation with someone who just wants to do anything but what you ask them to? And they're able to come up with excuse upon excuse upon excuse, just so they don't have to do what you ask them to do. Ben's laughing because he deals with youth groups, so he knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, so I went on a beach mission at the end of last year with a group of wonderful people, and part of my role was to spend the week having fun with a bunch of kids and telling them about Jesus. There was this one kid, we'll call him Mark, and he was very quiet and sweet, But no matter what you asked, said to him, or tried to do, he just would not listen to you. We would all be doing an activity, and you would ask Mark to walk over there where the games was, and he just would not move. We would all be sitting and listening to someone talk, and he would just stand in the corner all by himself. Whenever we asked this kid to do something, he would just look at you and ask for any reason or excuse not to. Now, I say that he's quiet and sweet because he had, like, the quietest voice ever. So you'd be like, Hey, Mark, how about we come over here? And he'd be like... Why should I sit over there? Why are we going to paint? Why can't we be over there instead? I don't want to do that. It kind of breaks your heart a little bit, and it broke my heart a little bit as well. But this conversation between Moses and God is a little bit like that. Now, as I said, it's a very long conversation, but Stephen in Acts summarizes it pretty well, and Beth just read it for us. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. God sees that his people are in need of saving and chooses Moses to lead them into freedom. But Moses seems to look for any excuse not to go. Who am I that I should go? Suppose I go and they ask me, what is the name of the one who sent you? Then what do I tell them? What if they don't believe me or listen to me? I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I'm slow of speech and tongue until finally he says, please send someone else. I wouldn't say, though, that Moses is like Mark. He's not looking for excuses here out of any sort of stubbornness, laziness, or defiance. I actually think that he genuinely doesn't understand why God wants to use him for this grand plan. Moses has spent 40 years reflecting and stewing on his past mistakes. For 40 years, he has framed up his whole understanding of his identity with self-deprecating titles. A murderer ostracized, a lowly shepherd, a failure. And we see this in verse 11 of Exodus 3, who am I that I should go? In this short question, we see doubt, unconfidence, and a view of himself that says not good enough. God, however, doesn't look at the surface level stuff of Moses' life. He looks past Moses' previous mistakes and failings because he knows that there is an eternal purpose in store for him. To everything Moses says as an excuse to get out of this calling, God has an answer that speaks levels. He doesn't want Moses to identify as a failure any longer. He wants Moses to see how God is already shaping him and readying him for a new life. No longer is Moses' past going to be what defines him. What defines him is his relationship with God that gives him purpose and a new hope. Where Moses sees a man who is not good enough, God says that he is making him good enough. The failures of his past are both destroying Moses' own understanding of who he is and they're stopping him from moving forward. Yet God calls Moses to see that his identity is no longer going to be defined by his past. It's going to be defined by God's love for him and God's restoring power. I just want to ask, do we have things in our past, mistakes, failures, heartaches or anxieties that are destroying our image of ourselves? Are there things from our past... That we are holding on to that stop us from moving forward. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Now, it feels a bit silly to be up here talking about transformation and not actually tell you my story of transformation, so I thought I should tell you that. Now, for myself, I think a word to describe my transformation that I've experienced in my life from God is release. In my life, I know what it's like to have anxiety. I know what it's like to overthink, overanalyse every single situation. If you can have a conversation with someone, you can be lying in bed that night being like, man, I should have said this or I should have said that or oh, what are they thinking when they said that and the other person's in bed asleep. I know what it's like to be encompassed by fear of failure and I know what it's like to be so worried about what's going to happen in the future. That sucks, I'm not going to lie, it does suck, but what doesn't suck is that I now know what joy means. Because of Jesus, because of the new creation that he's made me into, I know what joy is. And joy is being able to be content with what I have. Joy is pretty much the opposite of anxiety. Because of God's love for me, he's shown me what it means to live with joy. And so when I read those words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I don't think we can just read over that. That is powerful right there. Now, it's an easy assumption to fall into thinking that Moses' transformation was instantaneous at the time of the burning bush. But I would actually argue that his time of transformation started a long time before then, and it went on for a lot longer than just that day. From that moment, Moses ran into the desert. He started to undergo a process of change in preparation for God's work in the future. There's two words, humbling and understanding. So, humbling. Following the 40 years in the desert, we see a very different Moses to the one that was in Egypt. In Egypt, is this man who has a sense of entitlement over the people because of his inherited authority and his access to education. He tries to stop disputes between the Israelites because he feels like it's his place. And maybe it was, but that's totally different to the Moses at the burning bush who literally says, I am slow of speech and tongue. I can't do it. There is no way that he still sees himself as someone who has authority. He has had a huge amount of humbling work done in his time in Midian. And maybe that's what prepares him for his ministry later on. The other word is understanding. He comes to an understanding. Something really cool, and this excites the little theological note inside me, but something really cool is that Moses names his son Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land, because Gershom sounds like the Hebrew word for foreigner. In Genesis 15:13, this is centuries before that, God is talking to Abram about his people in the future, saying, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. And that's exactly what happens to the Israelites. So centuries before, God says your people are going to be foreigners in a foreign land, and that's exactly how Moses describes himself when he's in the desert. In his time away from his people, Moses is able to properly understand the Israelite struggles without the lens of his entitlement. He comes to understand what it means to be a foreigner in turmoil in a foreign land. Now both of these things, the humbling and the realisation of the plight of his people, prepare Moses for what God is calling him to next. And there's this really uh, cool commentary writer person who sums it up really well, and so I just want to read out what he says. He says... God is in control of all life, and even our greatest mistakes can be overruled for the glory of God, the blessing of others, and our own ultimate good. Moses ought not to have slain the Egyptian taskmaster, but there were things to be learnt in Midian's desert, which could never be discerned in Egypt's palaces. But Moses isn't all good from there, though. He's still got a lot of going to do. Moses goes back to Egypt and he tells the Israelites about what God is doing through him, and then he goes and he talks to Pharaoh about it. Pharaoh says that he won't let the Israelites leave to worship their God, and he actually makes things worse for them by making the slave labour harder. In Exodus 5, we read Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. When I was writing, the notes for this I just titled that as what the heck God because I feel like that's what Moses is doing he, he's like he says oh I tried and I tried and I did what you said what the heck God it's not happening when things get tougher Moses doesn't trust God and it's harsh but it's indicative that although Moses is far down the transformation road he still has some way to go everything wasn't done and dusted at the burning bush because transformation is a process Now Moses continues to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, but Pharaoh refuses. So God sends 12 plagues to destroy Egypt, and eventually Pharaoh lets the Israelites go, and Moses leads them through the desert for 40 years in the direction of a land that was promised to them centuries ago. Now there are about a gazillion stories I could tell you about what happens in those 40 years. Moses is faithful in a lot of ways. He walks through the desert trusting God to provide food and water. He speaks face to face with the Spirit of God on top of Mount Sinai and he passes on the law of God to all the people so that they can be closer to God. In summation, Moses, the man who ran away afraid, and said to God that he wasn't the right person for the job, faces Pharaoh, the king of Egypt that he once ran away from. He leads the Israelites, the people who once hated him, out of Egypt. He walks through the desert, the place where he was brutally humbled, trusting God to provide food. And he shows the people, and us, so many reasons to love and worship God. On his deathbed, he encourages his successor, Joshua, with the following words. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you doesn't really sound like the words of a man fleeing in the desert alone with nothing, does it? The process of transformation isn't always an easy fix. Sometimes it's the exact opposite. But we need to have faith that transformation is happening. And that commentator that I mentioned before says something else which is pretty cool. He says, If the years which had passed had taught him anything, they had certainly convinced Moses that God is good and that he is sufficient for his people's needs, however dark the days may be. And I wonder, can we get tired sometimes of waiting? Do we get tired sometimes of thinking that God's not doing anything when really he's doing everything? Have faith. Be strong and courageous. Now, transformation comes completely from God. We've looked at that in the last few weeks a lot. It is his power, his spirit, his works that bring transformation and redemption in his people's lives. But I want you to imagine, because this is how I picture it sometimes, that you're asking someone to hand something to you. And so they point it in your direction, and when you go to grab it, they just kind of like put it back to themselves. And you're like, oh, hang on. And so you ask them to hand it to you again, and then then they kind of put it in your direction, and then they take it back before you can grab it. It's kind of annoying, isn't it? I feel like that's what we do with God sometimes. It's definitely what I do with God sometimes. I'll be like, God have everything, and then when he's like, okay, great, and then I'll just like, actually, no, I'll I'll just hang on on to it for like another second, though. And I'm sure that can be frustrating, probably not for God, because he loves us anyway. But God does the transformation, and we need to give him all of ourselves and be open to him changing us so that it can actually happen. When Moses shows doubt at the burning bush, God says the calming words, I will be with you. Moses didn't have to be afraid, because God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who is almighty and all-powerful, the one who holds everything in his hands, has sovereignty over everything, is omnipresent, omniscient, immutable and infinite. God cares so deeply about Moses that he will be with him wherever he goes. I know that Moses was a special guy, but I can guarantee that it's the exact same thing for you. God came to earth as Jesus to reveal himself to us and so that we can be with him. The Holy Spirit is at work in this world today. Never is there a time when God is not with you. Let's take encouragement from that. Yeah? In response to God's calling, Moses says the words, Here I am. Now my theological note is coming out again because the Hebrew word, here I am, is hineni. And I'm definitely saying that wrong because I can't say Hebrew properly. But hineni is used so many times in the Bible. Examples are when Abraham responds to God's call to sacrifice Isaac, the son that he's been waiting so long for. Another example is when Isaiah responds to God's call, Whom shall I send and who will go for us into the world? Another example is when Samuel responds for the third time to God calling him late in night. This word, hineni, is actually also used in a Jewish prayer today that is said by the cantor on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And they describe the word as more than a simple indication of being physically present in a location. The word, hineni, is more of an existential expression. I'm not only here, but I'm here. Spiritually, I'm all in. I'm prepared to reflect on who I am, what's important to me, and how I can affect change for others. They also add, you've got to watch how you say it, because it's a way of expressing total readiness to give oneself. It's an offer of total availability. So when Moses responds to God's calling, saying, in a sense, he is standing there, prepared by the past 40 years, ready for more transformation. So transformation is God's thing, but we as people who are being shaped and transformed by his spirit need to hand him all that we have and say in our hearts this word that carries so much weight. Hineni. Here I am God. Take me. And wonder, is there anything that you're holding back from God? Is there anything that you're stretching out to him and then taking back the next second? There's this video that we've shown at youth group a few times and it I think it's kind of made me tear up a few times when I've watched it which is a bit embarrassing because I'm a youth leader and so like it's 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 embarrassing crying in front of youth but um it's a great video it's by the skit guys I think they're called you really should look at it it's amazing basically one guy is pretending to be well he's a man and the other guy is pretending to be God and God is coming and the man says God shape me transform me into who you want me to be and so God comes with a chisel and a hammer and he starts chiseling away at all the bad things in his life. He starts chiseling away at the sin and the, the, the darkness that make up who he is. And about halfway through, the guy goes, whoa, 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 hang on a second, stop, that hurts. God, you're not supposed to do this, you're supposed to just love me and like, just forget about everything. And God says, if you want me to transform you, then you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to give me all that you are. It's really impactful. i probably butchered it in this explanation, but I definitely think you should look at it because that is exactly how I picture what God does for Moses here, and it's exactly how I picture what God does for us. You know, sometimes transformation isn't easy. Sometimes it means spending 40 years in a desert. Sometimes it means giving up things that you don't want to give up. But I can promise you that the end masterpiece, the end goal that God transforms you into is so much better than those small things that hurt when they're chiseled out of you. So there's three things. Transformation is a process. Sometimes it's quick and simple. Sometimes it's hard and a battle. We need to have faith that God is at work, because he is. And transformations come solely from God. But it's up to us to pray that prayer and to let God move. And the last one I've touched on briefly, but I actually think that this is really important, and so I can't stress it enough. Your identity does not have to be found in your past mistakes, failings, or wrongdoings. God is giving you and has given you the opportunity to be renewed, to have new life, and to enjoy it. He loves you, so stop holding onto this false identity of who you are. Let him make you new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I want to pray. God, I want to thank you so much for all that you've given us. I want to thank you that we have this promise to hold onto you, that when we come to you, You transform us. You make us new. That if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Lord, I pray for all the people here tonight. I pray for all the people in this world that there would be an awakening, an outpouring of your spirit, that we would come to understand just what it means to follow you, to love you, and to be loved by you. Thank you for your transforming. Lord, I pray that we would give everything over to you and say those words, here I am, have your way. Amen.